1: And it is a big one for America. I have on the line with me Craig Huey. Craig is well-known for the work that he does as an uh, analyst. He's an author, a political commentator. He blogs. He he is just a guy that has his finger to the pulse on what's going on. So, Craig, welcome back to my program. Hey, Mike. It's great to be with you. You know, this, uh, this day, some would say is uh, the most important day in many, many years in election history. And there are uh, potential turnarounds. Uh, It could be something that both the Senate and the House of Representatives could turn over. So there's a lot of interest going on. And from what I'm hearing, uh, a lot of states have already, through early voting, uh, experienced a record turnout. Would that be what you think as well?
0: Mike, there is a record turnout, but it, it really depends upon the location. So what often isn't talked about is that many states where there isn't a really competitive race, you're having uh, a, a kind of a suppression of the vote. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, the, 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 the contest in, in highly contested states like Georgia and Arizona, the, the voter turnout is off the charts. But if you get a state like Tennessee where uh, there's only a few local elections and that that are highly contested, most elections people are ignoring, very few people are are going out to vote. And of course, Mike, today politics is not so much about the best ideas, the best ads, it's not about the the, the the, the best candidate. It's not about the best policies. It's about who can get out the vote. So in the states where there's a highly contested election, like Georgia, the get out the vote is huge. In a state like Tennessee, where most people are not going to be going out to the poll and voting, they're just going to ignore it. It's the small uh, usually for Tennessee, it will be the more of the, the radical left elements who are actually getting out the vote while uh, the more conservative uh, 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 candidates are just kind of. Uh, sitting there not doing much.
1: Well, yesterday I read something about Tennessee and apparently there is a big amount of confusion going on about ballots that have already been voted on for the wrong elections. I mean, what in the world? How could that happen?
0: Oh, it's really sad because these people are supposed to have had two years to get it right. But quite frankly, Across the United States, in California, in Arizona, in all these different states, there have been ballot mistakes. And, and, uh, and so that's where this election, unlike 2020, one of the big, big differences is there's been two things. There's been lawyers, conservative groups, and the republic of all things, uh, I, I'm shocked, but the Republican National Committee. Has allocated money to have lawyers in every state in the nation, especially the the key pivotal states that will flip the House or flip the Senate. It's an army, Mike, an army of lawyers who are challenging the Democrats on any infraction, challenging the Voter registration, the uh, challenging the uh, the, the uh, secretaries of states and the county register of voters with lawsuits. Some multiple lawsuits have already been filed. There'll probably be more lawsuits filed in this election than any time in American history.
1: Wow! And that so when you say you're surprised by that, is uh, you're surprised by the scope or the breadth of that uh, effort?
0: Absolutely, because, see, um, uh, with the onslaught of ballot harvesting, ballot harvesting is legal in about three states, and, and it's, it's done in states where it's illegal. And ballot harvesting was something that uh, started in California and spread nationwide. And in, in the election of 2018, that's where, in California, the unions and the Democratic Party perfected the idea of going to nursing homes, going out to uh, people in the neighborhood based upon data and profiling of that data to pick up the ballots and do it so that it's an organized matter of picking up the ballots and dropping them in, in mailboxes or to the polls. And all the things that were going on, it, ballot harvesting is not voter fraud, but it leads to voter fraud. And the Republican Party, in the Republican national committee the california Republican party they ignored this and and the republicans were wiped out on the local level and the state level in these different states and in 2020 that ballot harvesting was perfected in, in such an enormous way throughout the united states and again the republican party basically did nothing well after the 20 uh, 20 election, they realized they better do something. The pressure was on. And indeed, Mike, they've stepped up and they're saying enough is enough. We're going to have legal elections. And so there's poll workers like never before. It's an army of poll workers and it's an army of lawyers. And see, that was the Democrat game. Always file a lawsuit, always get out people to try to challenge any type of ballot issue. Well, now the Republicans are even stronger than the Democrats for this election.
1: Wow. that uh, I think that's an encouraging word that uh, a lot of people may not realize that such an effort is underway uh, that would actually uh, maybe make it more uh, fair and right and integrity from the standpoint that those votes that people cast are not going to be illegally changed or... Well, I should, there's not a, (laughs) you think about a legal change, it would be illegal to make any change to a person's vote. And yet we know that many people feel that happened and they had evidence that happened. I think of Dinesh D'Souza's uh, film that came out, uh, had numerous examples. We will hear in the mainstream media are from them that nothing like that ever happened. There's no proof of any of it. And that's just not true, is it?
0: It's not true. It's one of these denials of, of reality that if you say a lie long enough, a certain group of people believe it. But but the truth is, there were irregularities. There were things where the law was broken, where where the law was ignored, and things happened. But see, a part of that, the, the the shock of that, was enormous efforts in most states, especially. Uh, in, in states like Georgia and Arizona to strengthen and tighten the voter integrity laws like never before. And while they have a ways to go, Mike, they're better than they've ever been in uh, in Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden the judicial, the judges are so important. And, and unfortunately most people don't know when they're, they're voting who to vote for on these judges, but the, even in Pennsylvania, that's dominated by democratic, Judges, they just said in in the Pennsylvania race that a person had had to put a date on a mail-in ballot because that's what the law said. And instead of ignoring it, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said, "You don't count the ballots if they're not done right." In Wisconsin, the same thing happened, Uh, and so. There's been these uh, uh, legislative moves and judicial moves. The US Supreme Court, Mike, it was challenged by the Democrats that when Arizona said no ballot harvesting, it was challenged and went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said Arizona doesn't want to have ballot harvesting, doesn't have to have ballot harvesting. And for, for every listener, this election today, is such that the ballot harvesting could move the the ballots by 10, 15, 20% in favor of whoever's doing the ballot harvesting. Mm. Because it is, again, it's not necessarily fraud, it could could lead to fraud, but you've got uh, organized groups going to uh, 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 different rallies, Mm -hmm. going to uh, uh, potlucks, uh, uh, you going, you you're having different meetings of different types and you're picking up people's ballots. And, and, and then, you know, that's where the danger is. And, and so ballot harvesting, if you're in a state like California, you, and you're a Republican running, you got to do it because you'd be wiped out if you don't. But the fact is in California, in every state, it should be outlawed. It should not exist because it just opens the door to voter fraud.
1: It does. Another thing that opened the door to voter fraud in 2020 especially was the whole pandemic issue and the drop-off locations that were unregistered, that were not uh, in line with even the legislatures of those states or those cities, and yet it was allowed supposedly in the name of safety, public safety. Do you believe that uh, that kind of influence will have any um, determinative factor in this election?
0: Well, yeah, uh, you know the the uniqueness of the pandemic fear, driven by. The medical establishment and driven by the politicians and driven by the Democratic Party was to open the door for ballot harvesting nationwide and make it easier to bend the rules and laws uh, uh, related to integrity and voting. But this year is different. And and, and so uh, not all the the states have done the universal mail-in ballots, not uh, as they did uh, in 2020. Uh, it, not all of them are even having uh, vote boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, see, the, the, the vote box is just sitting there. Nobody knows who this person is that comes in and puts 20, 50, 100, 500 ballots in a box. In a state where it's legal, like California. You do that. That's a legal thing, but you have no ability to know who that person was, and if those ballots were stolen, if those ballots were taken from an apartment complex mailbox, nobody knows who what these are. Um, there's no voter ID. There's no identification, and 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 if 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 you have a voter box and it's a state that doesn't allow ballot harvesting and somebody comes in and puts in 50 or 100 ballots you never know so so it's it's something completely without any auditing ability there's no tracing back to who the person was and if those ballots were real
1: it's a concerning thing and we're praying that that will not happen across the country without a doubt like you said there are a couple of states that it that are they're doing it and they've probably already done it is would that be fair to say?
0: It is fair to say, and it's sad to say.
1: It is. Um,
0: And, you know, there are people who have gone to jail, people who have been fined, people who are in court right now for illegally doing ballot harvesting in 2020. I guarantee there's people doing it now because, you know, here's the thing. Uh, When you have people who want to win election. And basically, um, government is their God and, uh, and politics is their religion. The only right or wrong is winning the election. It's not how you win it. It's not the integrity. And if you could cheat, if you could somehow, you know, uh, be able to uh, go out and, and, and uh, go, go to, uh, especially on a day where you can, uh, in many of the states where you can register the same day, you know, you 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 say, hey, we got free food here. All you have to do is bring your ballot. You've got a union that says, come come to this potluck, but bring your ballot and we'll pick up that ballot. You know, you that's what they do. And oftentimes, uh, they they will just give the ballot. Uh, the 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 ballot harvester will fill it out, or they'll give them a list. It, it, you know, fill it out this way. Just click, you know, check these, and then uh, if somebody doesn't check it. You don't even know if they threw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just opens the fraud. And um, it's one of the things that if today the Republicans take over the House, take over the Senate, but also, Mike, also if they take over the state places, like going, maybe there's going to be a Republican governor in all places, New Mexico or Oregon, even in these deep blue states. Uh, uh, It's possible. It could be flipped. Uh, If if the legislators of these states start saying we're going to make integrity an important part of uh, of what we're going to be doing, it means we'll have a much fairer much uh, on more honest election 2024 and the upcoming and so, I'm sorry to say it with all with all the uh, uh, you know fatigue we have with this election but 2024 presidential race is just around the corner.
1: And you know I believe that as quick as any news copy is written about what's going to end up happening tonight, uh, that is going to be the very next thing on everyone's mind. It's it's going to be uh, no break at all, really, no rest for the weary, because this presidential election is going to heat up even more after this midterm is over. I think the question will be is how much for, if it is true that there's going to be a red wave, or as you said, a red tsunami, I, I, I don't know if, if that's going to happen or not. But if it does, it will be interesting to see what kind of attitude, Ah uh, will still come out of the White House because that's there. That's not going to change for the next two years. And uh, his his uh, President Biden's role would be much more difficult for his uh, his agenda if there is a tsunami.
0: Well, it's a major setback, Mike. It, it, it's a devastating setback. I I've been uh, getting. Uh, the emails that Kamala Harris has sent out and Hillary Clinton has sent out, and they're, they're all in a panic because they know uh, if they lose the House or Senate, uh, they're crippled. But here's the thing it's ide- ideology that's running in the White House. It's not smart politics. It's not old-fashioned politics. What's running the White House is that they want to transform our culture, transform our economics, and they'll do it in any way they can. And so what they'll concentrate on is more regulations, more executive orders, more things that probably are unconstitutional. But they'll do it anyway because they know how long it takes to go through the court system and have judges make the decision. So it's it's kind of like the uh, the the uh, those uh, with the student loans. What what uh, Biden wants to do is illegal. It'll go to court, but he's going to do it anyway, and he's going to send out the money anyway.
1: And once that money is sent out, I mean, it, it's it's difficult to go back and say, uh, we just found out that that money we sent you was illegal. Please send it back. That's not going right. to happen.
0: Yeah, you got it. You got it. it, it, it it's very corrupt. It's very wrong. But again, uh, you know, the end justifies the means. You've got a situation where people who uh, their worldview is based upon relativism Based upon a secular worldview, based upon that socialism is the economic system that basically is going to right the wrongs of society, make it an equitable society. Um, uh, and, and that's what they're fighting for. And they can do it with the bureaucracy. No, your listeners, no one knows how immense and powerful these agencies, these bureaucracies of unaccountable, unelected bureaucrats are. Wow. And and they are trying to use that to change our nation, change our economy. And, you know, businessmen throughout the U.S., you line up the industry can tell you horror stories from the federal election, uh, from the Federal Trade Commission. Hey, let the, me let me interrupt and yes. just
1: say that we're up against a break. Yes. I've got Craig Huey with me. We'll be back with this discussion in a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study: an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling So happy to have with me on the line, Craig Huey. Just a little bit about him, if you've just tuned in. He's an author. He is a political commentator. Uh, he has his finger to the pulse of what's going on. And we've been talking about a lot of different aspects about this uh, this particular midterm election, which has the potential to change the political landscape of our, our American government, uh, both, as you said, and I think wisely so, not only The Congress. Now, this year, obviously not the not the White House, not the presidency, but both houses of Congress, Senate and the House of Representatives, as well as. And this is something you said of primary importance. The governors that are being elected could radically change what's going on uh, in the state. And then you add to that all the state legislature races that are happening. Uh, It is a massive election, isn't it?
0: It really is, Mike, and it's important because you've got school boards, you've got city councils, you've got uh, supervisors or or, or county commissioners. You've got the local legislators where this could be an incredible game changer of turning our nation around, or it could be something where it was a complete wipeout if people don't go to the poll and that's the biggest problem that people who would vote against the indoctrination in the in the local schools, they could go back and say, my vote doesn't count and I, I can't tell you in this last primary election how many hundreds of candidates lost within 5 to 10 votes many just one vote they lost by very few votes. Uh, uh, th- th- there was a candidate that uh, was running for uh, uh, a seat in, uh, in Tennessee, and uh, he, he lost by 11 votes uh, against somebody who was going to increase taxes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, uh, just think of it. Eleven people. Uh, it, people have to. And then there's the whole judges. Um, Mike, there are judges uh, in 30 states. Um, Many of the judges were already elected in some of the states. But Mm -hmm. 30 states uh, have 84 uh, uh, Supreme Court judges. The the most high, most powerful seats in their state are up for election. and, And yet they're kind of like the invisible army. They're kind of like the, the candidates who don't exist because these judicial candidates don't want you to know, do not want you to know who they are or what they stand for. And, and then there's what's called the appellate seats. And these are in each state and some 300 appellate seats and then hundreds of local judges. and And some of these judges are judicial activists who want to use the power of the judicial branch to legislate. They want to legislate from the bench. Well, Mike, this, the, the, this, this is wrong. And, and that's contrary to what a strict constructionist is. A strict constructionist is one who interprets the Constitution and votes on the Constitution, even if it's against their own personal point of view. And uh, I've looked at all these judicial candidates. Uh, We actually have a website that tells you which judges running for office are judicial activists and which are strict constructionists.
1: Oh, that is great. And And that's judgevoterguide.com, right? That is correct.
0: And if you haven't voted yet, you could go to judgevoterguide.com and see how to vote your values, see how to vote out the judicial activists and how to vote in the strict constructionists. And, uh, and uh, you know, many of these races, people get so confused, they're called retention races. And in retention races, you vote either to return or some states it says yes or replace and some states it says no. And um, and um, most of these seats uh, are uh, nonpartisan. Those seven states, they make you say if you're Republican or Democrat, because really, if you're a judge today, the radical left, the, the George Soros, these people are pouring millions of dollars into these judicial races that pack the court with uh, judicial activists who want to be just like what Biden's and his bureaucracy is doing. They want to transform our culture and our economics into uh, a secular socialist uh, nation. And so they use the power of the judges to, um, um, you know, basically rule. I mean, we've had some states, judges have said homeschooling is illegal. Others have uh, come up with the craziest thing, restrictions on businesses and said they were legal. Um, and it's hurt jobs and, and, and the free market. Uh, so you've got these judicial races that so many people just leave blank, mm-hmm. or worse, they allow those who do vote to vote for these judicial activists. The sad fact is, Mike, 75% of the candidates running for judge. Seventy five percent of the vote goes to them. Mm -hmm. People don't vote these people out. It's very rare. And that's why we put up the judge voter guide, because we got to replace close to 60 percent of these judges.
1: Now, I know that something that did happen in the former administration under President Trump, obviously everyone is aware of the three important uh, people that he put on the Supreme Court. And they were passed, and we've seen the impact. You talk about consequences, the impact of having a judge that has the values, especially biblical values or the values that really make up the value of uh, our Judeo-Christian ethic in America. Uh, the judge has so much to do with that, and it's because of judges and things getting holed up. And this whole thing is uh, that you've mentioned, it's, it's almost like legislating from the bench, the judicial bench, Uh, It's just wrong. It's against our Constitution. But there are people, these, these people on the far left, they're not worried about the Constitution at all.
0: Exactly right. They're voting their ideology, not the Constitution. A judge is supposed to be able to look at the law and look at the constitutionality of the law, again, regardless of their own opinion. Trump's greatest triumph, was how many judges he put on the Supreme Court and changed it. But not only that, probably the most radical Circuit Court in America was the Ninth Circuit Court. Yeah, it's now conservative. Uh, they they just did an amazing decision that shocked the nation because it, it opened up freedom and and it tore down a, a law that would have destroyed it. But across the United States. He put in hundreds of judges, more judges than any other presidential can, uh, candidate, all or uh, a president. And these judges are strict constructionists. And, and so it's changed the judiciary dramatically. Now, Biden's trying to change that. He is nominated to the Supreme Court and other judici- uh, judicial offices. Some very radical mm-hmm. judicial activists, but you know what? If the if uh, if the Senate today flips, and the Republicans have well because because of uh, McClowski and Romney and and uh, Collins, if the Republicans gain about four or five seats in the Senate today, then there's no way. Joe Biden's going to be able to nominate any additional judges. It will be over for him Supreme court that. judges, right? I, I'm talking about appellate court too. Oh, okay. these other, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. these circuit courts. So it, even in the, the lower courts, now a Supreme court judge is usually moved up from a lower court to the Supreme court, but these, these, uh, you know, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the ninth circuit courts, are so powerful, they usually make a decision before it ever goes to the Supreme Court.
1: Wow. It, it, again, consequences come from elections, and this one has uh, the making of a massive amount of consequence uh, according to the this plan that the Biden administration has been putting forth, the, the call for progressive left. I'm hearing over and over, even uh, in reports in the last 24 hours, where people are starting to get worried, even on a massive, what would have been blue pockets in the past, in our fine state of Florida, for example. Miami is being looked at right now as potentially going conservative on this. And then we hear reports about New Hampshire. What are your thoughts about that? And then secondly, how important do you think the endorsement that uh, has come from Elon Musk and Twitter, where he is basically saying he recommends people Vote for a republican Congress what yeah. what kind of power is that? do you think? what kind of influence will that be
0: you know i I think that the influence of, of musk uh, is not that great. I think the even the influence of Donald Trump is not that great uh, I think all that is good. it rallies the base, it helps people get out the vote, but you know what is really making the change uh, uh, in in the uh, Cuban and Hispanic areas in Florida in in, in blue states like uh, uh, um, like Connecticut mm-hmm. and in portions of New York and and in the state of Washington and Oregon where there are hopefully today we're going to see the end of some of these, pro-socialist, secular, uh, 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 radical uh, uh, congressmen and, and U.S. senators, we could see it and their ability uh, uh, to hold on to their seats because people have had enough. Um, you know, when, when Biden says he's not going to allow any coal, he's going to destroy the coal industry, when they go to the gas pump, when they when they go to the store and they see 20, 30, 40 percent and then they hear Biden and, and the Democrats say, well, we've got it under control. It's just transitory. Yeah, right. uh, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you know, you know you, you're we're, we're, you know, growing the economy. We're cutting the deficit. Nobody believes it. Nobody it, believes yes. it. Well, the president nope. is
1: coming out and saying to us all that uh, gas prices are down from the five dollar mark when he took office. That's what he said.
0: People are cutting their vitamin C's in two. People yeah. are trying to decide, that how am I going to pay this bill? They're allowing their credit cards uh, with the high growing interest rates, uh, putting things on that. People are worried about their retirement. People are worried about buying uh, just food on the table uh, every time they go to the store. And this is all caused by government action. It's all caused by overspending, by deficit spending, by uh, uh, spending trillions of dollars that we don't have. And it's this, again, denial of reality. And people are seeing the disconnect. And they're living in fantasy economics, a fantasy world that's a pro-socialist world that says, this is the way we think life should be. This is the way government should be. This is the way our culture and our economics should be. And it's a disconnect from reality. Yeah, And, and, and it's come back to haunt them. Uh, you, you know, on the school boards, the, if there's a reason to go to the poll today and you haven't, it's to vote out. The radical school board members—they're trying to indoctrinate the kids, and in critical the, the Marxist critical race uh, theory to that that are allowing pornography in the in the libraries, uh, and, you know, just indoctrination in the classroom. And thinking about
1: them, uh, transgenderism too, I mean, they're oh, uh, oh my parents goodness. are mad.
0: Yeah, parents are beyond mad. Seniors and taxpayers are beyond mad, and they want that change. And and, and you know the uh, the the teachers' unions and the and the Democratic candidates, they can't answer in town halls across America, Mike. Across America in town halls, the, the 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 Democrat candidates who have supported these these failed school policies, when it's brought up. They look like fools. People laugh at them, and, and 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 they want to see a change, but they're a denial of reality, and that's going to hit them. I think today, I think you're going to see, but uh, you know, a mighty big change that of uh, that huge red tsunami could happen. The only way it's not going to happen is going to be overconfidence. People saying my vote doesn't count. Or I don't, you know, I I, I I don't really know who to vote for, so I'm not going to vote. You have that happen. Uh, you allow those people in the states where there's bad weather, you allow that to stop them. You're going to have the core minority control mm. the election mm. because they get out the vote. They know who they're People are that they need to get to the poll or pick up that ballot if it's, that it's a ballot harvesting state. And they're right now working on that like you can't believe, like crazy, with an army of people trying to get out the vote. And if that doesn't happen with the conservatives and the Christians and libertarians to get out the vote, uh, that's the only reason it's not going to take place. We have this. Uh, election today an opportunity to really turn things around
1: we do and I pray that the American people will respond and not uh, be swayed by those notions that there's too much voter fraud so therefore I'm not going to take part or there's, you know, it doesn't really matter about my vote. I I pray that that is not the case. Uh, Your website is craighuey.com. We've already talked about judgevoterguide.com. That's an important one to find out information about judges and the races that are going on in the country. You also have a different website called electionforum.org as well, right?
0: That's correct. The org is for evangelical Christians. And so it, it has a, a Christian worldview to it. And it also has a voter guide. Uh, and uh, uh, any of those websites, uh, they could uh, get my newsletter or get my books.
1: I can't wait to have you back on the show again. And maybe in a week or so, Craig, we can have you back on and talk about the aftermath of, uh, of the big election today. So uh, I I look forward to that, my friend. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Craig Huey, my guest. I'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida, and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. On the line with me right now is Travis Conover. Just a little bit about him. He's an actor. He's a filmmaker. He has a new project that we're going to be talking about called Lions and Lambs. A little bit more about him. He's a storyteller. He's also an award-winning film producer, and, and really that's kind of the heart behind this conversation today and this new project called Lion and Lambs. He is a, He's a producer of this thing, and it is all about something we've talked a lot about on the program in the past, and that is sex trafficking. So it is with that, I welcome Travis
2: Conover. Welcome, my man. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for the great introduction. That was very flattering.
1: <laughs> well, I'm happy to uh, speak the truth about you because you've done a whole lot and it is always exciting to have people on who are doing a work that is, that is all about something that is hitting us right where we live. And I, I really believe that with this crime that's gone on in our country, there's nothing more, I believe, urgent uh, than in the heart of, of America than what's going on. And yet, here's the shock, a lot of our people in this country are still, I believe, unaware of the severity of sex trafficking. It's also called human trafficking. I'm not even sure they understand the the scope or the reach of uh, the, the, you know, not only the depth, but the breadth of this problem in America. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think that's hundred percent right. Um, obviously going through creating the screenplay for this film, um, and, and I just want to make it clear too, it's it's not a documentary. Uh, we are partnered with vets for child rescue. They have done documentaries on the subject of them actually going and rescuing children. But this one is, is an actual theatrical release, you know, action packed, kind of a a thrill ride. Um, so it's, it's kind of based around, you know, the, it's based around this subject so that we can shed light on it, but in a way where people can kind of, um, take it in in maybe a less harsh way. Right. Cause a lot of people can't handle like, Oh, Hey, I didn't realize that 840,000 children go missing every year. And about 50,000 of them are never found and trafficked through these sex rings. Right. And, and they're of taken
1: off times are taken overseas. Right.
2: Yeah. So I think, it's really hard to get the the hard stats on something like that, right? Yeah. The FBI does a lot of that work and the numbers are not always clear. Unfortunately, I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that the reporting is not perfect. It's like, well, we found this person eight years later. So have they been found? Uh, Kind of, but not really. So it's, you know, how do you put hard numbers to something? But a lot of them are right here in the US. And I think that's, One of the misconceptions is people think, I mean, any major film about this, right, like uh, Taken or The Mm -hmm. Fifth Rambo or any of these major films, they always, you know, tactfully show that these people are being abducted outside the U.S. But the reality is, is that it's happening right in our backyards. So, you know, I'm sure some are taken overseas, but a lot are captured and caged right here in the U.S.
1: Yeah. And and again, the fact that this is such an organization that they can do this successfully, that they're pulling it off uh, right under the noses of just every law enforcement and the parents who are supposedly watching over the kids. It's heartbreaking. I mean, I remember when I was up in Gainesville, uh, there was Mm -hmm. a a situation where a child was abducted right from the mall and taken right when the parent was just not looking. It happened that fast. So, it's something that not trying to create fear, but we do have to have our eyes open to this problem.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's exactly what the movie's about. It's instead of showing this happening in Europe, instead of showing this happening in South America, it's like we're showing it happening right here in your backyard. This is kind of like a, an awakening for the Atlanta area, but of course, the whole United States, because it's happening in Atlanta, which is where we're going to be filming the entire movie. Um, and it's a young girl, you know, part of a fairly high profile family and she gets abducted right off her front yard, right? Playing with her friends Wow! and this stuff, as you said, this stuff actually is happening. Matter of fact, it just happened last week, a fairly high profile kidnapping happened in Georgia and I'm going to be talking about it with a TV network tomorrow. So, I mean, this is very relevant. And it's very topical. And I feel like for the first time people are starting to open up and talk about it.
1: I agree with you. And you know, this film that you're doing lions and the lambs, it's, it's coming out, uh, lions and lambs coming out in 2023. Uh, and you mentioned Atlanta. Uh, is this, uh, is there a particular reason? Are you based there yourself? But I know that all big cities in the country are dealing this, but what was the reason you chose Georgia, Atlanta in particular for your movie?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Atlanta is one of the largest or has maybe the largest airport in the world. So that makes it a hub. Hmm. And more people are trafficked through the Atlanta airport than any other place in the world. As a matter of fact, Super Bowl time is the most prevalent time because it's just so busy. um, And so many people are traveling through that, especially when they do large sporting events here and whatnot. The airports are packed. Children are going missing, you know, constantly at that time, and it's easier to kind of hide yourself as you as you go through these hubs if it's jammed, right? If the system is overwhelmed, so Atlanta is really important, um, but we're also based here. This is the new Hollywood of the South, and I want to just be really, really clear about this because everybody listening, um, I just want you to know that you can get involved. Okay, so this film. Was one of those things where um, I've been writing for maybe six or seven years, and I've written several feature films. And this is this is kind of those those times where God wakes you up at 3 a.m. and it's like I just got this idea and I got to go with it. So I ran downstairs, started writing this film, got the first 12 pages done. We shot like a, we shot a teaser trailer for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Matt Wallace, who's my business partner. And myself, we got some people involved. We called in some favors. We shot this great teaser trailer. We're like, man, this this needs to become a feature. So what we're doing right now um, is we're on Indiegogo, which are you familiar with? It's a crowdfunding site. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, the, the
1: Chosen has uh, really led the way and kind of brought that term out in front of everybody,
2: right? Exactly. So we're going the Chosen route with this woman. and And normally I don't do that but I just really felt like this is a community issue.
0: Mm-hmm. This
2: is coming to our homes. And I just really feel like, felt like God wanted me to do this. So anybody listening who has a heart for children, who has a heart for sex trafficking, wants to help out, um, we're on Indiegogo. You can search up lions and lambs. And we really, really need people to get involved because mm. anything we do on social media, as you know, Mike, is being shut down. Isn't that sad? It's just they're not, they're not allowing us to post anything about human trafficking. You can't talk about sex trafficking. So we have to just talk about it as an action film. And there's been a, a million of those. So the, the relevance and the topic of it, we can't share in depth, right? So that's why we're on your show. And that's why we're doing shows like this, because we can get serious and we can get down to the point. Like we need people's help. We need you to go on there and 5% on the front end of everything that we raise on Indiegogo is going to Vets for Child Rescue, amazing organization that actually goes and rescues these kids. And then on the back end, once we make this movie, we're we're looking to raise a million dollars and there's a 30% tax incentive in Georgia. So a huge part of the back end is also we'd like to write a six-figure check to Vets for Child Rescue so that it can actually go do the work on the ground that you're seeing in the movie and rescue women and children from Mm. slavery. Like right now,
1: I'm sure (sighs) you're getting that kind of uh, support from this organization, vets for child rescue uh, in the, in actually just this, uh, you know, the making of the movie. I mean, the ideas, I can't imagine what it, what it must've been like to have this birthed in your heart in the middle of the night as kind of something that's just there as a burden that you've just got to get out. And then yet it is something that so many people can actually join you in the process and and become a contributor to it and actually become part of the funding. That's a pretty exciting concept to realize it can go from an idea in the middle of the night to where people can actually put their funds, small and big, involved in in this effort to end human trafficking sex trafficking that's a wonderful thought
2: absolutely and i think what's what's cool too is on indiegogo it's like you know we have several perks up there anything from just chipping in five bucks just chipping in starbucks money all the way up to you know executive producer money so even if you don't have ten thousand dollars to to put into this Every $5 counts. And I feel like a lot of people go on there and they see our goal of $600,000 and it's discouraging because it's like, oh man, I can't, I can't put in 600,000, but that's why we need to share it as much as possible and get the word out as much as possible. So every $5 donation counts. We we cannot do this without people because as you know, Mike, I I can't go to a movie studio and say, hey, I want to make a really realistic grounded movie about sex trafficking because it's super important. They'll kick me out. So we have to go this route because we can't go the traditional route.
1: Oh, you mentioned this whole thing about the cancel culture that's taken over and not being able to mention. I mean, I don't know that I've heard the connection of canceling sex trafficking to the degree that you just said it a while ago. But you're experiencing, if I'm hearing you right, you're experiencing Mm -hmm. a complete shutdown if you mention the fact that you're making a feature film to combat the problem of human sex trafficking. If you made it that clear, you're saying that you would be canceled from social media.
2: Okay, so let me give you a strong example. And I wanna just remind people that children are not an issue. They are the issue right now in the world, right? Children are being attacked. Oh, in every, every way, on yeah. every side. Yeah. So our education system is allowing people to to indoctrinate, right? And um, obviously, this massive abortion debate, and you know, states coming back into control, and all these things, right? So it is the issue right now. This is so important. I, I can't stress it enough. But if you hashtag human trafficking or sex trafficking or child trafficking on any major social pl- media platform right now, you will be, you'll be led to a page that says this doesn't exist and your account can be shut down immediately.
1: And what would be their express purpose for doing that? What are they saying, the social media? Why would they be against an effort to save our kids? Why would they do
2: that? Uh, I don't want to speculate too much but I think the inference is pretty is pretty strong it's already there um, I think some of the powers that be profit billions of dollars off of this oh my I know for a fact this is the most lucrative slavery is the most lucrative industry it always has been and there's actually more slaves now than there ever has been in human history oh wow there, some of them are still in working camps, right, around the world. But in the United States specifically and in Europe, they're sex slaves. Hmm. Um, can I share an email I got with you? Absolutely. Do it. So this, it's pretty strong, and I, if it's okay with you, I would like to read some of it because I was on uh, Vets for Child Rescue's radio show the other night talking about this project really for the first time. And I got an email from somebody. I just felt like, hey, kind of at the end of this, we're praying. And I just was like, you know, if somebody wants to email me personally, please reach out. It's and I'll say the same for you, too. It's storytellerfilmco at gmail.com. So if somebody wants to email me their story, I, I keep it 100 percent private. I'm not going to use this person's name. Um, but I was emailed almost immediately after the show. And I think this sums it up really well. And it, it kind of crushes me every time. So if I, I'm gonna try not to tear up, but it said I'm sending this email um, to, to give you some encouragement. The irony is that your story closely parallels my life. She's talking about the, the movie. Wow. Absent the kidnapping, I was born in a middle-class appearance of white picket fence to parent family. I maintained straight A's, competed successfully in dance, was the youngest child who ever achieved a superior rating in piano competition at the Conservatory of Music in Kansas City, etc. I was beaten terribly for anything less. And behind closed doors, I was being raised as a slave. I was physically, sexually, and emotionally abused from the age of three. My first rape was from my father around four years old. I was forced to participate in child pornography. And at 11, when I had outgrown my father's proclivities, I was forced to dance in the back room of a bar, while men, ranging in ages from 18 all the way to grandfather's age, bid upon me. As they called out numbers, 50, 100, 400, I stared at their shoes while I danced. I've been raised to know not to raise my eyes, as it meant disrespect that warranted a beating. Their shoes traveled all spectrums of life. The lower bids were... Went with the college tennis shoes, the higher, polished, the higher bids of polished and well-appointed businessmen. I was sold for $200, the most one of the younger ones could afford. My father said he was showing me love because to me, he paired me with someone younger rather than an older person. I know now I was, it was just another manipulation. Younger men would likely get less resistance from me, even though I had been raised to never fight anyway. I wasn't military trained. It wasn't a military trained superstar that saved me that night. My mom, one of the few times she stood up for me to the madman that was my father, stopped the deal from going through and she paid dearly for it. Mm. And the, the email continues on and on. And eventually she ran away at 15 and was homeless for several years. And it just breaks your heart, you yeah, know?
1: Absolutely. It's hard to hear this, but it's happening, and I know we have uh, a couple of organizations in our area up in Gainesville, also Orlando, that work tirelessly to help people just like this young lady, and the stories are always heartbreaking, and they're always uh, more than what a lot of people want to hear, but we have to hear it, and I'm grateful for you, Mm -hmm. Travis. I I really am. Give us, how, how can we take part. Give us that website. We've got one minute. Give us that website as to how people can come and join the crowdfunding effort.
2: Yeah, please come partner with us. Please share this campaign. It's Indiegogo.com. And then you can just search lions and lambs. It's very easy to get involved. You can put as much or as little. We have some really great perks. One lucky person can actually get lines in the movie. We have uh, people that can be background in the movie. So we want to get you involved as much as possible. We'll be giving you updates. And it's, uh, it is, this is the issue, guys. This is the issue. So thank you for getting involved.
1: Indiegogo, I N D I E G O G O. And uh, that's how you spell that. And Travis, Mm -hmm. I really, I really appreciate it. Travis Conover, thank you for being with me. We have to have you back on in the future, my man.
2: Please, Mike. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And that's all of our time for today. We appreciate both Travis and Craig Huey being with us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.